What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with Edgar and Hugo of JTP Painting Services. They want to hit $5 million in revenue. They are business partners who are expanding outside of what they've created, which is success up until this point. They want some insight on how to keep growing. So gave a little insight, uh, pivoted a little bit. This was a great episode. These guys are on their way. I think you're going to love it. Business Breakthrough starts right now. Contractors all over the world are wanting more, more time, more freedom, more impact. The way we do this is through implementing systems, processes, standards. Welcome to the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Here we hit business strategy, coaching, mindset, motivation, the tools you need for success. So strap in, listen up, and get ready to grow on the Contractor Secrets Podcast. What's up, everyone? I'm here with Hugo and Edgar. I'm here uh, on a business breakthrough, JTP Painting. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining. Um, let's get started, man. What brings you? Well, we just had uh, some questions to see what your intake was on uh, um, especially crews and things like that. Sure. Um, like uh, logistics, you know, what you manage, logistics. Sure. Yeah, let me, well, let's start here. You guys business partners? Does one work for the other? What does that look like? Yeah, we're we're business partners. Good. How long have you guys been in business? Uh, Well, the business has been around for a while, but we're part of the company at the end of 2018. A very small company with just the owner. Kind of been growing it since then? Yeah, it was just... Who's the the salesperson? I am. You go. All right, yes. cool. And then Edgar, you're the project manager. Yes, sir. Man, everything sounds great so far. So, so how many crews do you guys have? Currently, we have two crews. Um, we uh, have uh, six guys, well, five in the field, and we have one that is like my right hand. Okay. So you have so three and three. Is that how you guys have it set up right now? Three, basically three and two. And then we have uh, uh, Alex, which is uh, like a floater uh, production. Yes, yeah. yeah, he's uh, well. He technically what he does is uh, manage things around when I'm not there. Right, um, takes care of. Like he kind of getting trained to take my position, and so I can be out of the field more. Great, and, great, awesome. So, what's your guys's goal? What are you trying to accomplish here? So honestly, I think we're. Um, we really want to do, uh, we want to create a disruption in the industry here in our area, disrupt the industry. Uh, we think there's a lot about it to be added, especially in quality and honesty, um, work and products. And so we really like to grow this company ideally as of now. Uh, the goal is always going to be um, set further as we go, but we're aiming for 5 million within the next couple of years, hopefully. So you're wanting to hit $5 million in the next couple of years. You guys are at what, around 750000 right now? We're actually, we hope that was our goal this year. Unfortunately, it's been a challenging. No, we're actually, uh, I think this year we're going to hit close to the half a million. Okay, yeah. cool. So when do you want to hit a million? Uh, we want to hit a million within, um, we're aiming to hit a million halfway through next year. And then we're also um, uh, trying to basically increase our knowledge and, 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 and sure. get to know more of the industry to be able to hit the good. 5 million by the other year and a half. Good, good. Well, make the first goal a million. 5 million is a long term. 
it, goals are important. It's what you set your sights on. You know, you got to be able to celebrate that goal, getting to a million by mid next year based on 500,000 worth of sales almost for this entire year is a bit of a stretch because usually the first few months of the year are a little slow. So don't set yourself up for unrealistic expectations. I don't want that to happen. It's just my opinion because I don't want you to think you're doing something wrong. You know, it's just, you guys have to set attainable goals and then have a big one, right? So your big goal is I want to have $5 million in the next few years. I'm going to put a date on that. But for right now, I got to hit a million first. How can we accomplish that in one year's time, 365 days to do it? Um, and, you know, it really comes down to the numbers, you know, a million dollars in, in production, not sales, production, producing a million dollars is 86,000, uh, 600 something dollars, right? So it's about 86,000 a month is what you guys have to produce. That means you have to receive that many finished job checks. Okay. Um, let's talk about what type of work you guys do. What are you guys currently doing right now? We focus just specifically on interior, exterior um, painting, um, cool. cabinetry painting, and uh, we do some siding jobs well along with the paint job, but that's pretty much it. We don't go into building or remodeling. Sure. Stuff yeah, like you guys that. are like me. Keep it simple. I just don't do the yeah. cabinets. <laughs> um, yeah. so, that, so that's good. So um, Hugo, how many estimates are you doing per week? I think on average, uh, around anywhere between seven and 10. Okay. Where are those estimates coming from? Uh, mainly word of mouth and, uh, the majority is Google, um, Google my business. Okay. How many reviews do you have on Google? Uh, currently 51. Okay. What's the rating? Uh, 4.8. Yeah, the couple sure. of negative ones I think for the previous owner. Okay, not bad, not bad. And then you also get word of mouth uh, business. So you're doing about seven to eight estimates a week. Okay, um, you have two crews going on right now. Is one crew dedicated to cabinets or does everybody kind of jump on based on what you guys schedule? Just on what we schedule. Okay. Yeah, All right. How much of your revenue would be to cabinets on average? a minimum i mean we haven't done the math on that specific but it's um how many cabinet jobs do you do in a month i can tell you maybe in a whole year we do around five yeah so it's a very very do you think it's do you think it's something that's worth it for you guys uh do you kind of do you guys only take it when it comes your way in a sense like if someone wants it done and it just makes sense you kind of grab it Mm-hmm. yes okay mm-hmm. um all right do you guys enjoy doing it is it something that brings you high profit margin if you could do more would you take it on or would you prefer to do interior exterior painting uh we definitely do like the. well we, we like it yeah. it's, it's, sure. it's a lot more uh, i guess tedious job because it's a fine finished product oh yeah it's like a different business but yeah. if your goal is five million you got to really Look at it like, hey, you know, you guys got to start two businesses. Like, I'm trying to help you hit your goal, whatever that is. Um, first thing I'm looking at is that, you know, and I've never been a fan of this. I don't think people that paint houses are are not saying that they're not good at cabinet painting, but it's a mindset thing. You can't take someone from painting the inside of a house, finishing that up on Friday, and then expecting them to do a high-end finish on Monday morning. At least that's been my experience. I just don't think those skill sets 
intertwine on a consistent basis, right? So I would think that the first move is, is for you guys to create a cabinet division. Um, have you thought about that? We have actually. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And let me tell you what a cabinet division comes with. A shop. Do you guys have a shop? Okay. So actually getting a shop, I'll tell you why. Number one, controlled environment, controlled process, controlled quality. And then guess what? When you're doing those cabinet estimates, you're already superior. You're, you're taking the cabinet doors off site. Would you agree? Yes, Hugo, yes. you're my salesperson here going in saying, hey, I'm going to take these cabinet doors. We're going to ship them out. We'll spray them at the shop. They're going to be factory finished, right? <laughs> okay, so... So the second part of that is identifying who you want to lead the charge of the cabinet division. Okay. And do you guys have someone in mind who you think would be your person that you put in, in charge of that division? Not as of now. We haven't really thought of that specifically. Yeah. Yeah. That would be my first step, you know, and I'll tell you why, because you guys have a good flow right now. You're doing seven to eight estimates in a week. You're pretty much doing it with no marketing expenses, Right you're generating, you know, $500,000 is about 36,000 to $45,000 a month in sales. And you're, it's almost effortless on, in terms of generating the business. I'm sure you could probably refine some of your, your sales, you know, skills, but you got to understand there's a whole ocean of people that want cabinet refinishing done. And you have two options here, guys. It's a growth you're going to have to grow, which means you're going to, have to either get another crew for painting or you're going to have to get a crew for cabinets. And when it comes to painting, Hugo, you're in this. So you know that, hey, dude, you probably only sell three out of seven because the pricing and then the competition is just vast. Agree. Why work so hard fighting against other painting contractors when you already do cabinets, you already have produced this result, you already know the market wants it. You just need to do it consistently every week. If you add one cabinet project on average of five grand every single week, that's $20,000 worth of revenue. And you haven't even touched your painting side yet. And guess what that's going to do? You're going to meet customers on the cabinet side that, you know what? I want my whole house painted at the same time. So when I look at this position, you guys are already successful. You guys have a team. It's not a matter of adding more, in my opinion, to the painting side. It's why don't we start up the cabinet side the right way? And that will require marketing. That will require spending money on marketing. The budget should be at least $3,000 a month on cabinet leads. Are you guys comfortable with that amount? I mean, it's like any, I guess, like any business to start up marketing. Great, great mindset. It's you're starting another business. It's like day one. You yeah. know, you, you you might even go as far as branding it differently. You know, JTP cabinet coatings. I'm serious because again, like you start up that side of the business and you have leads for that side of the business. You maybe even have a separate software for that side of the business. If you want, you know, you kind of just just create this other entity. It's in the same family, but again, man, it's just this whole different business over here. You're pretty much doing the same thing you're doing now, but you're actually focusing on it because it's out there, you know? Um, that would be my opinion at the very least.
you know, what do you guys think about that? I guess my own, because we have thought about that, especially because um, on site, you got a lot of more logistics to deal with at the time when you paint them on site. We create a booth, we create a control environment. Yeah. But there's nothing like getting a 80 gallon compressor, putting uh, water filters in it and uh, spraying it like a vehicle. You get a much be more beautiful finish to it yeah. too. It adds value too. Um, so we had thought of all that, but I guess it would be the getting the shop kind of thing, you know, or renting a shop or a place would be another yeah. overhead expense, which like you said, it's kind of like the marketing part, but it is. it's just that. It is, transition. but let's look at it like this, Hugo. I mean, here's the thing. Pressure creates diamonds, brother. You're the salesperson. You're the reason the company moves forward. You got to understand that these expenses, although yes, in the beginning, it's an investment, Thank God, because if it wasn't, then everybody would do this. All right. And then it wouldn't be as, as it wouldn't be worth even talking about. Cause like anybody could just go get yeah. a free shop and some free marketing and, you know, not have to, you know, make any money. So, you know, think of it like that. It's like a ticket for entry, but I'll tell you this, man, pressure creates diamonds. When you know that you have to sell cabinet jobs to keep that business alive, you're going to be more resourceful than you've ever been, bro. I'll be honest with you, man. You're going to find opportunity where it otherwise doesn't exist. When you're doing painting estimates on an interior, you're going to be that much more excited to sell cabinet, right? Hey, you want those oak cabinets? Sure. Let me, let me here, hold this door. I just did in our shop. You're going to create mm -hmm. opportunity um, and it's going to force your company to adjust. And that's what you do, bro. You have a big goal, man. $5 million. Do you know how much freaking paint you got to sling to hit that number, dude? A lot, a lot, mm -hmm. you know, but here's the deal. You don't have to put so much pressure on the house painting side to accommodate that number if you have maybe one or two million happening on the cabinet side, which is entirely possible. It's still like a brand new thing. And if you have the right marketing company generating you leads, then all you got to do is show up, bring a door, showcase your presentation and knock out the jobs. You know, it's not, you know, this is a pretty open uh, niche if you ask me. You know, so um what are you are you guys brothers yeah uh, you are yeah not too oh, that's, well. <laughs> uh, that's cool so you know but here here's the deal man you know um i think you know action take action man you know if you were to look at what a shop costs worst case scenario it's going to cost you a thousand bucks a month and then marketing is going to cost you three grand a month you guys can utilize the same resources you have now that person that you consider your right hand, does he know how to spray? Not necessarily yet. All right. Then he goes with the painters. Who's your best spray person? You got somebody on the, on the yeah, cruise? Mm -hmm. He goes to cabinets. You guys got to move your chest pieces around. It might be a little uncomfortable, but guess what? It's for the betterment of the, the colony. So you find your best spray person, you throw him in the shop and you get him a prepper. You know, and those two work together. And then you have your three and three still, your ace, your guy who's your right-hand man. Right now, he's got to go into the grind and run the crew, right? That's how it works. You got to, everybody's got to be on the same page to achieve this. Um, but ultimately, it should benefit everybody. So how you guys do this is, is going to require some, some changes. But you look at it, $1,000 for the shop, 3000 for the marketing. That's one job, you know? Maybe you even start doing two in one time. Maybe you create a system where you sell two jobs, you strip them down, you get two jobs worth of doors in the shop for a week's time. You send 
the guys out to knock out the, the frames, you know, in those two weeks. And maybe you're knocking out two jobs a week with one crew. You never know, man. It's just, you guys got to try it. Yeah, that's true. So what do you guys think, man? Do you guys have any questions? I mean, I don't want to, you know, keep going yeah. in this direction. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm open to any, any questions you have. Yeah, so one, one of the things, Tanner, that we're uh, looking at um, is that, uh, you know, we, we see that we have a big opportunity here in the, on our market um, because uh, we present ourselves differently, um, especially we've been competing with the big franchises. Okay. And uh, being a local company competing with the big franchises in the area is a pride that you absolutely can, you know we can just brag about right sure i agree so I, I, it seems like at this point right now we're getting into um, a place that uh, we just need to see how we can manage more or guys or people to bring results and so I, I do have a question for you and see what you think about it um what's a what can be like a like a structure for or guys, if we move on, let's say 1099s or W9s, Um, Well, I mean, you know, it sounds like the people working for you are W2s. Maybe you don't have them classified in that way yet. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Yes. So for me, you know, if it walks like a fish, talks like a fish, and looks like a fish, it's a fish, you know? So swap out fish with the word employee you guys gotta it's not a matter of should i it's that's how it should be but i think your point is how do i make sure that they're still motivated because when i make that transition to turning them into an employee they're gonna have to pay taxes and pay less money is that one of your thoughts well i think it's mainly um like your thoughts on employee versus subs and also a structure to manage like and whichever one you think will be better which i think from from what i've heard you like more employees um on your behalf and and what will be a good structure if, in terms of like crews or leaders yeah. and stuff a mixture of a mixture of both i mean again to hit five million dollars you're going to need a lot of employees. You're going to need like 40 employees, right? Or you can have 10 to 12 subcontractors that you rely on on a consistent basis. You don't have to worry about managing the employees. You just work with whoever's in charge of that subcontractor crew. Um, you don't have to worry about paying taxes. You don't have to worry about paying workers comp. You know, you just make sure they have those uh, credentials. Um, so to be honest, you know, you should have a mixture. I've talked to companies that have just subs and of course they're going to run into problems with that. They don't have authority. They don't have exclusivity. They don't own their schedule unless you have endless work. Then they just gravitate to you because they don't even have to look for other work because you're always providing it. But in the beginning, it's hard because maybe you don't have all this work to keep a sub busy over and over Maybe that subcontractor brings in somebody on their crew who causes trouble and that's on you. You care about your quality. You care about your image. You care about your brand. When you hire a subcontractor, I'm not saying that you lose that. It's just not the same. It's not Luis, Sam, and Mike. It's this other company coming in representing JTP. 
So they need to care about your standard, about your reputation, and they have to act accordingly. Now, obviously, if someone's not doing that, they don't get any more work from you, but there is a chance that could happen and it could hurt your reputation. So vetting out subcontractors is important. But I will say, again, and going back to what I was saying is that I've talked to companies that just have subcontractors and they're always looking, man, how can I get some employees? You know, they, they always want advice on employees and building out employee teams. I think it's a better position for you to have employees. And then when you're ready and you can get more leads, branch out the subcontractors, you know, so hit a certain threshold with employees, maybe build up the cabinet side to generate a million. So you're probably going to need about three to four crews on the cabinet side, generate a million in painting on the painting side. So you're probably going to need about two more crews for the painting. Now you guys have a $2 million a year business. And at that point, figure out if you can continue to manage that. Here's the deal with employees. You know, what's going to happen. They're going to show up late. You're going to have to fire some. You're going to have to vet them. You're going to have to hire. You have to go through this process over and over again. You might look at this at that stage where you have 12 painters and, you know, seven uh, cabinet refinishers. And you might say, I don't think we can manage any more people. This is a lot of people. But Hugo, you still have the goal that you want to hit 5 million. So at that point is when you say, you know what? We're not going to hire any more employees. We're going to keep this how it is. And we're going to start subcontracting commercial work, or we're going to start subcontracting new construction work. And we're going to facilitate those agreements and start sourcing subcontractors. I think that's a good approach. I think a mixture of both is ideal, at least for me. How big is your, um, or was your business and your, your painting business? And also, um, how, um, how was your ratio or did you have just employees remaining? So I've always done employees in the beginning, maybe the first month or two, I had what I call independent contractors or just individuals who didn't want to be employees that I was just paying with check or cash or whatever. Um, and then I kind of said, you know what, it's time to straighten this out. And from there, I've never went back. I always operate with employees. I have 12 um, employees right now. Um, and at this point I have three crews and we generate about 1.2 million in a year. Because I own drip jobs, I'm in no hurry to expand um, just for my own sanity. Um, so I'm very happy with where we are. It's, you know, it's just enough to uh, keep us going. So I won't be growing anymore. I only do interior and exterior painting. But again, if I were, and my thought process was I wanted to hit that number, it would be even with 12 employees, dude, first of all, finding 12 solid employees that come to work every day, motivated, love working with the team, happy with making hourly pay. That is a journey that has taken me five years just to get 12. So you'll very rarely find anyone going above 2 million without doing some form of subcontracting, very rarely. And if you achieve, if someone achieves that, they are usually pretty well recognized. Okay, because um, we're going to focus first on the million <laughs> before we get too excited. That's what uh, I'm maybe. saying. Yeah, yeah, that's why yeah, I told so, you, man, like the goal should be um, a million. Yes, so, yeah, correct, because I think we always talk about it. And we're like, well, we got to hit our, we have long-term goals, right? But that's why I say right. we're trying to hit the first million to, like you said, see how that feels like. And also because it teaches a lot of things that could potentially 
take us to the next level or, right. or, or, or right. just own it passively or stuff like that. Right. Um, who you, who and, you become when you hit that number is more important than hitting that number. I Correct. Yes. To get that number. You really correct. need to be on it. Uh, correct. Yeah. And, and so basically on, since you have about 12 people, how is your structure for them like in terms of uh, is it what's the ideal sweet spot for crew sizes? Do you have a crew leader, production <laughs> yeah. manager, or managers? Or, yeah, you know how many salespeople? It started off like I would I would never do a job under four people. We got jobs done pretty quick. Um, so one crew always has four, but it, it's helpful because I have a four, a three, and now a three, which was a two. I hired someone else, and then I have a project manager helping out bouncing between the crews and you know what's interesting is, is like i like three but i need a four like three is ideal but in some cases you need four like especially for full interiors ceiling walls trim doors closets you need a fourth if you want the job to run smooth like if you want to get done in that that allotted amount of time you want to eliminate burnout so four or three is is for me ideal um and i found that like if I, if I have the three crew, they usually take one more day than the four crew. So I usually save a day on a normal full house repaint with, with four. So it's kind of like how it works. But if you save a day each week, that means that they have four extra working days in the month, which is a whole job. You know what I'm saying? When you look at it like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a compensation plan or how do you motivate them to... Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you pay, you got to pay above average. Um, you know, that's, that's key in terms of compensation plan. You know, usually it's the longer you've been with me, the more money you make, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where raises come, you know, sometimes semi-annually, sometimes annually, um, to a certain degree, um, paid vacation, um, paid holidays. Um, you know, we're working on health insurance. Um, so, I mean, you know, and, and the team environment, you know, and working for a good company with good people, you know, and that's my responsibility to make sure I'm bringing in people into my world that contribute positively to the culture. So when someone goes to work, they're excited to work with their coworkers, their friends, you know, they're, it's like working with your friends, like, you know, a feeling of accomplishment and appreciation, you know, these are all things that naturally humans want. So as a leader, for me, I'm always very appreciative. I always try to teach first before I condemn. So in other words, if something happens, I'm not just like condemning and going hard. I'm kind of like, all right, how can we learn from this? You know, what can we do better? So I don't really create a fear environment. So in other words, like everyone's usually the way I see it is voluntarily, they come to work and do their job. But here's the beautiful benefit of our business is that they're held accountable by our homeowners. So even if they do kind of fall by the wayside a little bit, they know they need to perform well because the homeowners, they're watching them or the homeowners, they're hanging out and the homeowners expecting greatness, you know? So for me, there's like this balance. It kind of just keeps everyone accountable. We don't do a lot of commercial work. We don't do a lot of new construction. And I'm not saying my guys would act in a way other than how they would act in front of somebody. But would you agree that if you're working in a house with a homeowner versus working in an empty house? your production's a lot higher than it is if you're working in an empty house. Would you guys agree with that? Makes a difference, right? So for me, it's like, you know, that's kind of like an insurance policy. So 
with all those things considered, man, we just have a good environment. If somebody's ready to move on to something else, I encourage that. And, you know, there's never any resentment. I have a friend of mine who uh, worked for me. He started his own painting business and now we compete against each other. Um, but I'm still here to help him. He's a very good friend and, you know, I'm, I'm super happy for him. So there's just not that environment of like, you know, I don't know. It's just a good place to work is what I at least try to create. So I don't really feel like I need to go heavy on incentivizing to get people to move forward, to like get them to do their job. Agree. Positive yeah. mental attitude goes a long way too. Good attitude. You know, yeah. People get too caught up in incentivizing. They think like, well, if I don't like give yeah. a bonus on completion, they won't want to move fast. And it's like, you know what that creates is this expectation that doing their job isn't good enough. You know, like that's what you got hired to do is this job. But what you do when you create what I believe to be calculated incentives, in other words, they start seeing patterns in incentivizing, then why would they do their job if they know they can lag a little bit and then go hard when a bonus is coming? So, you know, for me, I give random bonuses. You never know when it's coming. <laughs> you have no clue. And for me, it's just one of those things that I just learned in business. You know, I don't want people to feel like they, you know, there's this expectation that a bonus needs to be given for them to work hard, you know? And do you have like a labor or, or material savings uh, incentives or anything like that? It's just situational. It's situational. You know, we set out an allotted amount of time for a job to be done. My project managers are invested in getting it done. No one wants to stay longer than they need to, you know, on a job. Um, and then if something comes up where, hey, I know this is a stretch. If you guys stay late, I'll do X, Y, Z. If we get this done today, I'll do X, Y, Z. Um, hey, you guys can have this day off if, uh, if we make this happen paid. You know, hey, if we finish this, you guys get, you know, Thursday and Friday off paid. Um, just random. You know, I mean, but that, that comes down to integrity, man. You know, when you hire people that have good integrity, they don't bait their boss into bonuses. You know, it's like one of those things that like, I just hire great people. That's it. And it's like, if I were working for somebody, I'm going to still work hard. I want what's, I want my fair amount. Don't get me wrong. And if I'm not making that, I'm going to bring it up, but Hey, I'm, I'm working hard here and I don't feel like I'm being compensated enough, you know, but I'm not expecting a bonus every time I do something. Gotcha. Good point. Okay. And, um, you have a, so at 1.2, uh, do you have, how many salespeople do you have? Or we're just trying to get an idea of, you know, what a company like that looks like in terms of the crews or crew leaders or yeah. we have never been there. So <laughs> that's just kind of a curious questions we have uh, also um, dealing with employees. I think we ideally would like to move forward with employees, although there's a, there's nerve-wracking feelings in hiring employees. Like you said, you got also it's more more legalities that come in, HR and stuff like that, right? So we never been there and done that to your, uh, at least to your volume. Uh, we have not. So we're just curious to know how your typical environment looks like that you should mention and then also your typical number in terms of employees and then how you manage those employees or how many salespeople you have and stuff like that. 
I have the weird, I have the weirdest business in America, man. I mean, I, like, <laughs> I do because I run, I run the software company. I mm-hmm. tried a salesperson. I didn't like it. I wasn't sold on it because I was still doing a lot of the follow-up work. I have automations with drip jobs and different softwares that I use. And there was this funny scenario where he had went out and did an estimate one day and the, this lady got a, uh, a follow-up email from us. And all he did was show up, take pictures and present, you know, present a price. Um, and then she got a follow-up email from us a couple of days after, and she told me to call her. So I called her and I sold the job and I'm like, I just made this guy $800. I had to text him and be like, Hey, you know, that job got sold for 800 bucks. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I don't think this is necessary. I mean, unless, you know, like we really need work, you know, closing on the spot and on the spot sales has its place. But generally speaking, you know, if the numbers are there, you're, you're going to average the jobs that you need to keep your teams busy. Now, if I were to add another crew and I had to get more jobs at that point, yes, that person would probably, I would have to bring in a salesperson. But for right now, we don't need a salesperson. All of our sales, uh, you know, start off with, you know, an, an estimate. Um, we come in, we, you know, go through our process. We go through our pricing, take all the photos. All that stuff gets uploaded to me in the office. You know, I'm able to do my assessment, send out a price. Drip Jobs follows up with them, you know. Um, and I've been doing that now for two years. And we've been able to sustain. Now, one of the problems with the salesperson was when I brought him on, I was at your stage. I only had two crews. So what happens with that is Hugo is, and you know, this, if your schedule is booked out for eight weeks and you have somebody in front of you that has a time crunch, they need the job done. Right. And you can't get to it because your crew can't get there in eight weeks. Well, Hugo, because you're one of the owners it is what it is. But if somebody's just a salesperson, they're really upset because they can't sell the job because the production can't produce it. So they lose out on the business. They lose out on their commission. So that was happening too, where this guy was getting mad at me um, because our production wasn't there, which is kind of a good thing because it put a little pressure on me, but we weren't ready for a whole nother crew yet. I just did that like three months ago. So the thought of doing it then was near impossible. I just wasn't ready. I wanted to make sure two crews could work efficiently. And I just wasn't in that sort of rush. But in terms of my business, I have those three crews I told you about. Um, You know, we break everything up based on the days of the job. You know, some people do production rates. I do cost-based pricing. Everything is based on an eight-hour day. So I only take jobs that allow me to do at least one eight-hour day. So from there, if I can only, I don't take one bedroom. I'm not going to do your hallway. It's either going to be a one full day or it's not, you know, and then it's a one day, two day, three day, four day, five day. It could be a two week, but I'm literally multiplying the labor cost of how many hours versus how much it costs per hour for a specific crew. So in other words, if I know, if I know that Chamel's crew needs a job, I'm going to take his total hourly rate for his crew and multiply it by eight to give me the, you know, the full day. Right. And then I'm going to multiply it by how many days I think this job is going to take. And that gives me my labor cost. And then from there, I look at how much paint I'm going to need based on 
experience and then go above that just to make sure that I'm giving myself a cushion. And that's my total cost. I tie those together, multiply it by two, and that's the price. You know, and then from there, I mean, if we sell it, then I know, hey, this is an eight-day job. I put it on the calendar as an eight-day job. And then I'm always looking at the calendar. I spend most of my time looking at the jobs calendar, checking in with the team to see when they're going to finish. Hey, how much longer? How much longer? How much longer? Hey, this is an eight-day job. How, how much longer? How much longer? Right? And if they get done sooner, my job is to maximize my resources. That's what a leader does. That's what a CEO does. So if I know they're going to get done sooner, I might taper off two of the four, move them, let them start the next job and let the other two finish. So we're always filling the gaps in our schedule, right? And I've automations and drip jobs. If I know that I'm starting a job the next day, I move the customer over, they get notified, hey, your job's starting tomorrow. So a lot of the communication with customers is automated. A lot of the scheduling is in my system. So it makes it easy. And then just having good crew leaders and managers in your business that you trust um, to handle production, you know, that's the key. So I don't know. Is that kind of what you guys are looking for? Yeah, yes. yeah definitely. It sounds like you don't have a source, but you don't go see the jobs. You kind of have like someone go look at it. Estimator. Like, Estimator. Yeah. Estimator. He's on a salary. His job is to go there, mm -hmm. represent us. He loves it, drives around, gets to meet people. He was once a painter and now he, mm -hmm. uh, has a little authority. He's our supervisor. Now he pops in on the jobs. He's respected amongst his peers, um, very loyal individual to the company and, and, uh, shows up on time. It's the most prompt individual I've ever met. You know, he's always on time. Um, and that's somebody I could trust. If I set him up for an estimate at 8am, he'll be there at 759. Um, so, you know, again, this is, this is your job again, as a leader is to identify strengths in people where they, where they fall, uh, you know, and, and aligning those strengths with their roles. I think in your business, you have somebody really good, but you should be challenging that person to see if they're willing to step down into a role in order for the growth to happen. Um, you know, cause you guys have two owners. There's not much money going around. You know, I know that for a fact. So yeah. you, know, <laughs> you guys aren't like running to the bank right now. So we really uh, know on the growth, you know, we really do. Um, Another thing is because you mentioned to me about the fact that you're debating W-2, the employees that you have, do you have them on a payroll system currently? No, Alex is in W-2. Um, the other one's from uh, 1099. Currently, they kind of have their own thing going on in a way. Um, so Alex is only W-2 we have. We, the thing with the, everybody else is that uh, they're in 1099 because that's a contract we have with them. If there's no... Let's say in a week they only work two days, they can always go work somewhere else. And, so know, that is a subcontractor work. relationship. Are you guys on payroll? Uh, right now we're LLC, so we're just uh, owner draws. Okay, you're just taking owner draws. Now, the problem with mm -hmm. owner draws is, is that you're taking your profit away. So mm -hmm. when you guys take owner draws, you're just extracting profit. And if you're not doing that in a systematic way, then you can't allocate the profit properly to marketing, to your shop, to the overhead, right? Because you're just drawing whatever you think you should be taking from the business. True? We have a set amount that we do. Um, factoring in that the company makes this, uh, makes this money as well. Although it's not much, but yeah. How'd you come up, how'd you come up with the set amount? 
um, or or minimum living cost uh, or cost of living. Yeah. So you did it back. So you did it backwards. You don't base it off of your expenses. You base it off of the the business's expenses. Um, no, and then you throw it down. Well, basically our personal uh, need of, yeah. I, get it. Or, I know what you did. Yeah. So, 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 but, but, but my thing is, is that you guys should not be taking owner draws. You need to be on your own payroll. Like that is right now, that is the strategic move. So at least for the next year, you could take owner draws quarterly and annually when you have money in the account and you're satisfied with your growth. That's when you, that's when you take the owner's draws. But for right now, you guys should be on a salary, you know, and that so, is a consistent paycheck on a weekly basis. So actually, I call it owner owner draws, but yeah, we get a consistent paycheck every other week. So okay. we have a set amount per year. Okay. Uh, but every it's categorized week. as an owner draw because we're, we didn't get into an S-corp this year. Okay. Um, so we couldn't get ourselves in the salary. Um, What's Are you guys per, using a software to help you with payroll? Yes, uh, QuickBooks. Okay. I would suggest checking out Gusto. Maybe if you've heard, I don't know, do you listen to the podcast? Yes. yes you heard okay, I've probably mentioned it a few times. Um, but Gusto is really good because you can indicate if you want to take a, 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 a owner's draw or you can indicate if you want to keep going with your salary. I'm not going to go too deep into that. I just want to say that, remember, you guys are employees of this business, you know, but you're also owners. So, you know, when you do it that way, because what I'm hoping after this conversation is that you guys allocate resources to marketing the cabinet side of the business to start that up. That's going to require a pretty hefty investment, thousand for the the shop. Maybe you need equipment. You're probably going to want to get an HVLP. You're going to want to get some good sprayers. You're going to want to set up the booth in there. So you're looking at about like $2,500 worth of startup costs for just the shop and the materials and the equipment. Then you want to spend money on marketing. That's three grand. So that's five grand worth of investment to kick off this new endeavor. If that's what you want to do, can you guys see yourself doing that? Or are we too far away from that? What do you guys think? I think it's definitely doable. I guess the one thing we can mention will be a bottleneck will be um, the hiring, the employee management, stuff like that. The HR that we are not too familiar with. You know, that's what Gusto does, bro. I mean, that's okay. what you, that's what you use Gusto for. There's a link below the podcast somewhere. All right. um, but you want to use that because you onboard employees. You can, you know, make sure they're getting paid properly. Your subcontractors mm -hmm. that you have right now. You can allocate money to them so they get direct deposit instead of a check every week. You know, so there's a lot of different functionality that Gusto will provide for you. When I gave you that scenario and I gave you that plan, you didn't need to hire anybody. You have one person that sprays cabinets that you need to pull away from the painting and put them on the cabinet side. And then I said that if you did hire somebody, it would be somebody to help them prep the boxes. So a prepper or somebody wants to learn how to paint cabinets, right? So that's at least what I'm saying. Like, don't overthink the hiring part because you have the resources. But then again, he is a, he might, he's, is he a subcontractor, this sp person that sprays or is he an employee? Subcontractor. Subcontractor, which actually works pretty well in the cabinet space because he's going to make more money. You know, his margin is going to be a little bit higher. So, you know, you're really going to have to play around with your, your people. Um, if you can create, employees on the cabinet side that's not a bad idea either but again maybe converting people that you have into employees um you know 
do you pay them collectively or does everyone get paid individually? In, uh, individually. Yeah, right. So, so this spray guy, how much does he make a week? Uh, if we're breaking down, it's um, like seven, no, eight. A, a week? Yeah. No, he gets around eight to nine. About eight, eight to nine. Eight to nine yeah. So he's making like $22.50 mm-hmm. an hour. Right around uh, Right around. around, yeah. Okay, but that's a straight eight fifty. There's no taxes taken out of that. None. So you would need to pay him twenty five dollars an hour for him to net that after his taxes are paid. So you guys got to look at it like that and say, hey, here's the deal: we're going to make you an employee that's full time work. You're guaranteed this amount every single week, and the benefit to him is is that his taxes get organized properly, and he can maybe finance something in the future, a house, you can get a car, you can get all these different things. So, you know, sometimes that actually works out well for people to be categorized that way. Benefits on both sides. You guys just got to have to decide, you know, how to, how to go about it and what's the best course of action. Okay. So, okay. Well, I'll leave okay. you with that, man. That was a lot. So I hope, uh, was it helpful? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yes, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank things you. that we didn't uh, get into perspective or yeah. that we kind of need to yeah. go deeper home to. Yeah. But it was definitely. I love helpful. it. Well, yeah. well, thank you guys for your time. And uh, if I could be of assistance any further, you can always reach out, book another uh, session. But I hope you take that and run with it. Thank definitely, Tommy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, yeah, no. And, uh, great. Uh, great. Uh, uh, information that you give out there with yeah. the, all the interviews that you do and information that you provide you love doing what you do so yeah <laughs> it's, it must so, be working <laughs> thank you guys. Hey, my pleasure my pleasure all right thank take you guys care, so much. hey what's up guys it's tanner i just want to thank you so much for listening to that business breakthrough uh hey listen um just want to invite you on as a guest i want you to schedule a business breakthrough with me. I'd love to help you in your business. Just chat about what you're doing. Uh, maybe even give you some perspective, maybe help you pivot. You know, I've learned in business that any sort of influence is going to help you either continue on your trajectory or help you pivot to a new one. And that is the goal to help you just shift things up a little bit. So if you have some questions about business, whether that's marketing, sales, production, hiring, um, and you want you know me to give you some advice, which I'm honored to do so, just click the link somewhere in the description of this podcast, and I'd be happy to sit with you just like I've done for over 250 others uh, and hopefully give you something that you can run away with uh, to help you on the next step of your business journey. So just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. And of course, I wanted to offer that to you uh, for free. So just go ahead and click that business breakthrough sign up link, and I hopefully will see you next time. See ya.